Hey guys, Darren Bentley here. And before we get started, I wanted to make a special announcement. We have officially opened registration for the Private Money Conference, which is a three-day live event where you will learn directly from Jay and his team how to raise thousands of dollars in private money to fund all of your real estate deals. Now, in today's changing market, more and more people are losing out to other investors because most of those investors have the cash to fund these deals. Did you know that you are missing out on 87% of the real estate deals out there because you don't have access to private money? Sadly, most real estate investors don't even know this is the reason why they continue to lose deal after deal. And with everything that's happening in the market today, you absolutely need every advantage available to you. And having access to unlimited amounts of private money is your big advantage. So to register for this live event, head over to jconnor.com forward slash event. Again, that is jconnor.com, J-A-Y-C-O-N-N-E-R.com forward slash event, where you will be able to lock in your seat for this live in-person three-day event, which takes place June 12th, 13th, and the 14th in beautiful North Carolina. But you got to be fast because there are a limited number of seats, and when they are gone, they're gone. So again, to take advantage of this incredible event and to learn how to raise all the private money you'll ever need directly from Jay Connor and his team, head over to jayconnor.com forward slash event. Again, that is jayconnor.com, J-A-Y-C-O-N-N-E-R.com forward slash event. Now let's get into today's episode. The question that comes to mind is, you know, after observing all these different organizations and real estate investors, what does a bad process look like? And I think I know the answer to that question. And that is, I would think a majority of real estate investors out there don't even have a process, right? They, they, don't, even, they don't have a system. What they do is like sort of from the seat of our pants, so to speak. So maybe a better question for me to ask you is, what are some of the critical elements of a really good process? So, you know, first thing I would say is never lead with your offer. There's conversation, and I'll tell you what the pieces are to that conversation in just a minute, but never lead with, with your offer. Otherwise, you're basically just going to property to property and saying, here's my offer, take it or leave it. Now, that works if you're in a market where there's unlimited opportunities and you've got leads flying in the door that are dirt cheap and you can just sprinkle, you know, offers out there everywhere and, and plenty of people are just saying yes and grabbing it. But most investors don't market where leads are getting more and more expensive. Uh, competition is getting more and more fierce and it's more and more important as things tighten up to get the best deal possible. So if you're in one of those markets where you, you, you want to make the most out of everything, there's a couple things you want to do before you get to the offer. Once you give an offer, and why this is, is once you give an offer, you lose all leverage. So, you know, when a real estate investor is talking to a home seller, the only reason that conversation is even occurring is because the two parties want something from each other. The homeowner wants to know what, you know, what an offer would look like. And the real estate investor wants the chance to explain what they do and, and make that offer. So if you make that offer too early, they have everything they need from you and the conversation stops. And there's some other critical pieces of conversation you want to have. So that's why you hold your offer back, number one, one of the reasons. The two probably most critical pieces of conversation you want to have on the front side 
are about motivation. And when we talk about motivation, I'm talking about going deep into to motivation. When I talk about motivation, it's not checking boxes, you know, are they financially distressed, tired landlord? It's finding out how this property is, is impacting them on a personal level. When people make a decision to sell, especially to an investor at discount, it's always for personal reasons. So example, financial distress. People don't sell because of financial distress. They, they sell because of the other people around them that might be affecting. It, they sell because of the relationships that are, are being impacted by this property, by the emotional distress, by things that they're not able to do, uh, opportunities they're not able to take advantage of. Those are the reasons why people sell. And when we talk about just the, the psychology of selling, the deeper you get into that personal impact, you help your prospects self-discover why it's important to take action, and that increases the motivation to take that action. So having that conversation, you know, what's your motivation? And let's talk about that. Like, let's really talk about that. Why is it important to take care of that now? That's going to turn tire kickers into motivated sellers and motivated sellers into people who uh, have an increased urgency to just, just take action and take care of their problem now. So from a sales perspective, and I won't nerd out on you here, I have, I have a tendency to do that, but that's why that's so important. And when we talk about how decisions are made from a neuroscience perspective, decision, complex decisions are made in the emotional parts of the brain. Again, I'm not going to go crazy and, and get weird on you, but complex decisions are made from the emotional part of the brain. So you, we've got to take the conversation there to actually get a prospect primed for a decision. Now, the other critical piece of conversation is once motivation's high and people are in a state where they're, hey, you know what? I'm ready to take action. It's something I need to take care of. We need to systematically uncover everything that's going to keep them from taking action because we've all talked to a ton of motivated sellers who really want to sell, but for some reason don't take action. It means something's in the way. So then you want to take the conversation to, you know, are there other, any, any influencers who, is gonna, who are going to, you know, sway the deal one way or the other? Are there risks, uh, sources of discomfort that can stop the deal from going forward? Is there a fear of leaving money on the table if they move forward? So then you want to systematically work through the deal killers. So our sales process is basically we go deep into motivation, get the, the, the seller, you know, in touch with why they really want to sell. We don't introduce anything or manipulate. We just... We, get, we help them get very clear on the decision and why it's important to them. Once they're motivated and ready to take action, we just want to remove any roadblocks that are going to be in the way of them from taking action. Then is when we get to our offer and, you know, actually, you know, make an offer on the property. Speaking of offers, do you train and teach real estate investors or acquisitionists to make multiple offers? And let me define what I mean by that before you answer, just to make sure our audience is on board with us. So let's say we're talking to the owner of a property that is motivated to sell for whatever t reason. And let's say, for example, it's free and clear. Let's say that there's, there's no underlying debt, uh, there's no mortgage owed, and it doesn't matter what the motivation is, but you're, you're talking to the decision maker. So an example, a, a multiple offer would be, well, I can either pay you X amount, which would be the highest amount offer, if they would consider selling on terms or selling with seller financing or owner financing and, you know, take monthly payments, I can offer more money for that. Or if they want all cash, I'm going to offer a substantially less amount, but I'd be offering them all cash. What's your thoughts and opinions on giving a sellers multiple offers? So I think it's a, it's a great strategy. 
but you have to be an extremely disciplined investor or salesperson to use that strategy. And I'll just outline some of the dangers of using it if, if you're not extremely disciplined with, with the process you follow. So one of the things that keep deals from happening are just, hey, if you, you have to think it over, there's, there's indecision because there's a lot of options on the table. So you don't want to give so many options that it turns into, let me think about this, sort things through and get back to you because we might be, be leaving a deal on the table that we otherwise could have picked up. Right. So I think a lot of investors that use that strategy will, will really try to figure out which option they're going to go with or, or offer through the initial conversation and pitch one. Now, sometimes I'll pitch one or two or three, but when I've seen it used most effectively, they usually try to figure out what they're going to recommend on the front end. It uh, doesn't always work out that way, but then have one recommendation because you can increase conversion rates with one recommendation. The way you increase conversion rates is you remove some of the, the, the indecision, the questions about, should I go this way or that? And the other reason that will increase conversion rates is when you get to the end, you eliminate one of the most common you know, put-offs. Let me think about it. Let me think through things. And you can go straight to a, a you know, the line I usually use is, and I, I call it a line, but it's just what I usually say is, hey, listen, after everything we've talked about, you know, if you're not 100% confident that this is the way to go for you, then I, you know, I think we need to call it what it is. It's, it's probably just not a fit and perfectly okay. No hard feelings, but it, it, it probably means we don't need to move forward. So if you have multiple options, it doesn't let you do that. The reason why I recommend taking the deal off the table if you, if you get stuck with a maybe or think it over at the end is because there's only three things that can happen with that ending. And all three things are great for investors and salespeople. Number one, it might be a no, and then they're comfortable telling you no, right? So many investors get, you know, let me think it over. Let me go through those options, those types of answers when really it's just a no and the people are just being nice, right? They don't want to talk to you know what I heard years ago, John? I heard yes means yes, no means no, and maybe means no. Yeah, anything other than yes or no is no. So, so that's exactly it. So it eliminates some of that, that. And if it is going to be a no, like let's figure it out on the front end so we know what our next step is. You know, are we putting them in a nurturing campaign? Are we going to try a different type of offer? Are we, you know, what are we going to do? Instead of having, you know, investors with high lead flow, you, you accept maybes and think it over is you're only going to go 60 days before you've got 200 people in your follow-up queue and your system starts to fall apart because you can't keep up with it all. So if it is a no and they tell you it's a no, that's a good position to be in because now you know what's going on and you can, you can, deal, you can do whatever you're going to do with it. The second thing that might happen is sometimes people don't make decisions, especially big decisions like this, until they have to. So what we see lots of times is, you know, when you say, you know, anything other than a yes is a no, and that's, that's perfectly okay. They say, you know what? I got to do something about this. Let's just go ahead and knock it out, right? So it just, it, it takes, it takes a time to, of them having to make the decision right now, and they, they make the decision, and sometimes that's a deal. So now we've got two possible options there. It's a no when you find out, or they say, you know what? I'm not letting this deal get away. Let's go ahead and do it. That's a yes. The third thing that might happen is there is some motivation, but there's one of those deal killers still holding them back. They haven't figured out something. They need to work through something. They're a little scared about something, and that's when it pops out, and then you can deal with it. So it typically sounds, in my experience, like, no, no, John, it, you know, I didn't say that. I'm still really trying to figure out what I'm going to do with this or where I'm going to go here or how I'm going to deal with my sister-in-law who wants to list the house. And then that is exposed and you can deal with it. So 
no matter what, all three of those things are good. A yes, a no, or a here's what's holding me back. So I love the multiple offers, but you have to be disciplined and just not let it work against you and give people too much of an out to just end up with endless amounts of maybes and think it over, if that makes sense. Yeah, that, that's a lot of great, brilliant advice. And no doubt you've learned that over the years <laughs> of work, working with so many of these real estate investors. So, you know, we've all heard that initial conversation that, you know, if you're a one man or one woman show real estate investor, or you've got an acquisitionist or acquisitionist working with you, regardless, whoever has, and whenever that first initial conversation, the voices are heard for the first time, typically over the phone. And your answer to this question may depend on where they came from in the marketing. So, you know, we got different marketing, you know, you can have, you know, you have a Facebook ad that they saw, all right, to where, you know, you're offering to buy houses, or they may have seen a bandit sign next to the road, or they may have Googled you and they typed in, you know, sell my house fast or buy my house fast. And now they're seeking after you. So I'll let you answer this question. If there's any, depends on what marketing funnel that they came from. They might be responding to a direct mail postcard, but regardless or, or bearing in mind, not regardless, bearing in mind where they came from and how they learned about you. We've all heard that building rapport right up front is so important, so important. And so what are some tips, strategies, advice you can give on what are the secrets to building rapport right away? Yes. What do you do? What do you do? What do you don't do? Great question. So what I recommend is we answer the questions they have on their mind immediately and let them know exactly what to expect. So we, you know, we, we've done a lot of training with lead managers and those types of people. And, and uh, I even operated a call center for a few years. Where we were making 100,000 out, outbound calls a day throughout the U.S. And as we ran scripts and tested and all this kind of stuff, three questions, two or three questions would pop up and leads or prospects would not move forward with the conversation or get comfortable until they had those questions answered. And those questions were always around, you know, what's going to happen? What can I expect? How long is this conversation going to take? Are you going to try to pressure me into something? Those types of questions. The, the, the conversations were always uncomfortable until they had those questions. So we start out every call, regardless of marketing avenue, by answering the questions that are on their mind. So it might sound like this. Hey, thanks for, uh, hey, thanks for calling in. My name's John with We Buy Houses Fast. Typically, people who call in want to know, you know how we do what we do, how much we can offer for their house, and those types of questions. Do you have the same types of questions? Yes. Awesome. These calls usually just take a few minutes. I'll just have a few questions about your property so I can get you those answers. Be sure to answer any questions you have for me. And at that point, if it makes sense to take some type of next step, we'll figure out what that is and, and see if it makes sense to put that in place. So that opening right there is something like it. They know, okay, this is not going to be an hour-long conversation, right? So they're not getting antsy, not saying, how many questions do you have? They know they're going to have, be able to ask questions and get them answered. They know you're going to ask them a few questions, so they're not going to be caught off guard and, and hey, why do you need to know that and that type of thing. So we take the questions uh, to build rapport quickly over the phone. The questions that kind of are already on their mind, they're not going to be able to relax till we answer those. So we try to answer time frame, agenda, and next steps right up front. Those are the three things we hit. 
Brilliant, brilliant. Yeah, I'll share real quick what I do in my market. I don't recommend this. Well, I'll, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what I do in my market. So I'm going to get you to coach me in front of thousands and thousands of people right here on the podcast. How about that, John? Yeah. So what I do in my market, I don't know would work in a much larger market where there was a lot of competition. So I'm in a small market. My total market area is only 40,000 people. I'm one of the few consistent full-time real estate investors in my area. There's not many of us, and I'm the only one that I know of that, that does consistent marketing, Facebook, direct mail campaigns, et cetera. The reason I know that is because I have people watching Facebook, and I own so many houses, I hardly get any direct mail from any other marketers. So that's my clue that I don't have that much competition. As a result, and don't hold back on me, John, just because we're friends. I want you to tell me exactly what you think here as if I were a paying client, okay, for you to help me my conversions. Me and my team, so I have one acquisitionist, all right? So, I mean, we do two to three deals a month. You know, the average profits are $67,000. So I'm a, as far as number of deals, small number, but we got large profits per deal. So we really play, 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 play on the rapport and establishing relationship. And this is how we do this. The first conversation my acquisitionist has with them, you know, finds out what, you know, what's going on, gets the property lead sheet, et cetera. Next con and and we make no offer. You know, we find out, of course, what they're, you know, what they're looking for and et cetera. And then the next thing that takes place is, you know, we do some research, et cetera. There's the second conversation with the acquisitions to them saying, you know, we're really interested in taking a look at your home. Let's set an appointment to come look. Second conversation. Third conversation is in is in person. Acquisitionist, realtor the whole team, the con, you know, the contractor, that third conversation is in person. Actually, that's the fourth conversation because the acquisition had to set the appointment to come look. So fourth conversation is in person. Still offer. Fifth conversation. So the fifth conversation would be an offer over, over the, over the, that takes place over the phone after we've left the property. And then negotiation continues, you know, I mean, you know, no telling how many conversations take place after that or sometimes it's immediate. What's your immediate take on that process? Process. I think some of the best teams out there are using that exact process. May take place over a different number of connects, right? It, it may go in that same order, those building blocks you laid out all over one call, few calls, in-home visit, whatever it is. But I think that just from a timeline perspective, that is the exact way to go after it. Now, again, some people will shorten that to two touches or three touches or, or even one touch over the phone, but they, they follow that exact same process where they step through piece by piece like that. The only recommendation I would potentially make to increase conversion rates is if possible, I would move the, uh, it may not be, be feasible depending on what work has to go into actually putting the offer together, but if you can move the offer to that on-site appointment, uh, chances are conversion rates would increase. And the reason is, is because people are going to be, it's, it's fresh, they're emotional, they've just worked through it, they're ready for a solution, they're primed and ready to make a decision. So you can increase conversion rates by, by speeding that up and giving the offer at the property. 
And the other thing you'll do is, you know, again, doesn't sound like it's an issue in your market, but in other markets with, with extremely high competition, there's going to be four other investors that are in there. And one might, you know, finish, complete the deal before your next step takes place. So highly competitive markets, I see investors, you know, merging those two steps of your process and making the offer while they're at the property. Yeah. As I was reviewing the process with you, I heard my brain talking to myself. If I had any, if I had a fear of another real estate investor coming before we're getting back with them, I'm making the offer right there in person. Yeah, yeah for sure. John, wow, we're out of time, but I know that we've got a lot of our audience here that would love to connect with you. And you've got this thing called the 21 day challenge. How does that work? Yeah. So we, I try to do a lot of free sales training. So that's one of the avenues we do. We've got a YouTube channel and probably 100, 150 videos on our website, but we put together a couple of years ago, a series of 21 sales training videos for real estate investors, just real small five minute videos with actionable, real helpful content. Hey, if someone says this, this is what you can say. If you're in this situation, this is what you do. And over a period of 21 days, we just drip those out one a day. So, so people can grab a quick tip, start to implement it, and then move on to the next day. And it's just a good way to just start increasing your conversion rate. So that can be found on our website as well as just tons of other videos and, and scripts and, and other helpful stuff. Okay. And your website is, let's go and give out your website for those that want to connect with you. Absolutely. Uh, Midwest Rev. So uh, name of the company is Midwest Revenue Group. So it's Midwest R-E-V as in Victor, MidwestRev.com. Excellent. And they can take you up on the uh, 21 days of uh, free training. And uh, so one more time. And so it'll be in the show notes, but that is www.midwest, M-I-D-W-E-S-T, Rev, R-E-V as in Victor.com. And John, it's been great to have you on the show. Uh, parting comments. Uh, no, I just enjoyed myself. Thanks for having me on. Hey, hopefully we'll do it again sometime. Oh yeah. I hope so. Cause while we were talking, I wrote down seven more questions that I didn't have time to get to. <laughs> John, thank <laughs> right. you so much. I look forward to seeing you in the next few days to all of our uh, viewers and listeners. Thank you for joining in. I'm Jay Connor, the private money authority wishing you all the best. And here's to taking your real estate investing business to the next level. We'll see you on the next show. Bye for now.